Hello, and welcome to the Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. We are your hosts, Jeff Hall and Patrick Terry. We're two dads with a love for movies. Join us as we discuss movies we have seen with our kids, as well as movies we have seen without them. Hello, my friend. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Doing good, man. Um, So, yeah, first pre-recorded intro. Think it went well. You know. Yeah. Look at us trying to be professional and stuff. Trying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're getting there. We're going to give that a try. We'll uh, we'll get an outro recorded by our spawns. Yeah. <laughs> or kids, whatever you want to call Whatever you call your kid. Um, offspring. Offspring, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, York's mom refers to him as my spawn. <laughs> like, all right. Well. Spawn and I are doing like, I just call him Duder. It's just easier yeah. for me. Um, but you doing okay? Doing pretty good. Um, last week, Tuesday, my niece turned two. Okay. Which, which she's been there the whole year. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, she got it. They got her a little cake. Of course, I had to work that day, but when I came in, they got a little small little chocolate cake, and um, I got her a. Baby shark, dancing shark, oh, gave my. it to her early the weekend before, and yeah. um, she looked at it like before I even got it out of the box. She comes running into the kitchen, and um, as soon as she saw it, she was like, "No, no, 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 no!" Like I don't know if it was just too big, because yeah. she's got like a little small little plush uh, yeah. baby shark toy, and she just looked at it. She's like, "No, no, 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 no!" <laughs> but um, eventually she warmed up to it and oh, okay. she danced with it. So I was like, "Man, do I have to take it back?" <laughs> It's like, dang, but, uh, already, but yeah. freaking killed by a two-year-old. Uh, yeah. Disapproving. Yes. Uh, that's funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> I actually had a memory pop up on, uh, you know, basically about um, York was, it was yesterday, too. It was uh, <clears throat> a year ago, yesterday, or no, not a year ago, Jesus. Um, seven, seven, almost eight years ago, I think. Yeah. And it was a video of, York and I, and you know, he's not quite two because he'll be because his birthday is December 3rd, so it's getting there, but not quite. Um, of him doing, you know, I'll go, na 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 and then he'll just grin and go, that me, and like this cute little tiny voice, yeah. And we did it like three or four times, and it's just he just grinning and then he would say, that me, so that's cool, yeah, it was pretty awesome. I was like, oh. No, it'll do there. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we did not finish Fast, uh, Fate of the Furious. We got, you know, we just ran out of time. So yeah. We were still, you know, working on efforting that. And I kind of came to the, you know, I was like, you know what? After we finished watching these, we had to move on. To, I had I said that he'd like the Mission Impossible movies. Because those are all kind of the, you know, after like four and on, four, five, yeah. and six. Or so you know, kind of over the top too. Yeah, it took a minute to get there. Well, two is very over. I take that back. The John Woo one, the second one is very over the top as well. Oh yeah, it's John Woo. Yeah. Uh, first one's very good just because it's good storytelling and good action. Um, the third one I liked. I think I liked more than probably most because I really liked Philip Seymour Hoffman's villain. Um, in it. Um. But yeah, I, I liked. I actually really liked. 
actually, I like all of them. It's just that each movie is different in its own way. Like, it has its own, I mean, it's obviously has its own specific style. Right. So, you can, like, I know a lot of people don't like the second one. It's, like, their least favorite. But I like it because it's a very John Woo movie. I mean, it's yeah. doves and guns and, you know, ridiculousness. And this um, guy's and it's got Tandy Newton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tandy Newton, Duggery Scott. Um I think that's how you pronounce it, Duggery. Even though it's looks like Duggery. But I think yeah. it's I think it's Duggery. Um anyways. Yeah, no, I and you know, Anthony Hopkins for like two minutes. <laughs> but um but no, I actually really love that. You know, it it it's its own thing. I mean it's because it's like I said, it's very jolly. Anyways, I was thinking, I was like, you know, he would like these. They're a lot of fun. So maybe we'll move on to these next. So we'll right, see. Right. We'll see. Um. But yeah, so we didn't watch. We don't watch. We're not. Uh, we're not done with those movies yet. Uh, family movie night. We were having a hard time trying to find a good movie. Try. I thought about showing the Dirt Bike Kid with Peter Billingsley from 1985. I think. I just remember watching that while I was a kid mm-hmm. and how much I really enjoyed it. I showed York the trailer because I pulled it up on, on iTunes. And I was like, oh, this might be a little too lame. Because <laughs> I'm like, you know, as an adult, I'm like, Ugh. yeah, even looking through 80s lenses, it might. I think for him, like Grayson might like it, but I think for York, I think his movie taste from the kinds of movies he has seen at, you know, as a nine year old, almost 10 year old. Mm-hmm. You know, it it might be like as he would say, as too kiddie. You know, it's too much of a younger kid movie. Yeah. Um. So we didn't watch that, and then Ruth was wanting to go ahead and put Christmas movies on. I go, nope. No, it's too early. I put a video on that, so we didn't watch. Well, but like you, we're gonna end up watching the Jingle Jangle movie at some point. Yeah. Uh, we just did not watch. It. No. Um. But yeah, uh, so we, she ended up uh, suggesting School of Rock, so that's what we watched, with uh, Jack Black and the kids wanting to play musician, you know, play yeah, music, yeah. wearing rock and roll at a more or less private school, or at least a, you know, not a private school because they got a big crap ton of money to go there. And uh, Joan Cusack's in it; she's really good. And uh, yeah, both kids really liked it, and I hadn't seen it since it came out, which was 2003. And I, I forgot I forgot how good it was. Yeah, I don't I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through. I've only yeah. I've always just seen bits and pieces, but I like what I've what I'd seen. Yeah, I mean it's Jack Black at his very Jack Black best, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think if you put him in a role that has something to do with music, he he just excels so much more because that's something much like movies that or much like acting being a musician is so you know so much a part of him so mm-hmm. i think that that really works makes him more makes him i don't want to say try more but it it, it you can see the passion there we go he's more oh, passionate right. so you know as in some of the other movies where he's just kind of i don't want to say phoning it in but he's you know he's not as stellar i guess is a good way to put it i don't know it's so a little more in the zone. Yeah, and so we had to, you know, like f- high fidelity, bro. That's his, that's his zone. Yeah. Even the Tenacious D movie, which is all kinds of ridiculous, 
and silly, but you could tell he was just having such a good time, though. In sorry, Tenacious D in the Pick and Destiny. I don't want to full title. Forgot. Sorry, full title. Um, but you could tell he's just having so much fun. So it's you know it was a. Uh, but you know still he you could tell he's having a blast doing the Jumanji movies too though, which right. you know I had to show Grayson who that was because she couldn't remember who because he's you know his this movie's 17 years old now you know it's School Rocket so he's put out a put on a pound or two since then and. You know, obviously, he looks a little bit older. So yeah, pretty much we know we can we can't go wrong if we have probably a Jack Black or a movie with The Rock. Those seems to be our our safe yeah, zones yeah. for the most part. We're giving that a try. And so this week, I'm not sure what we're gonna watch. Maybe we'll maybe I'll go ahead and allow for the Christmas movies to start. And Grayson's already wanting to start watching Home Alone. So like. All right, here we go. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wonder how many times the Grinch will get played this year. So. Mm. Which one, um, the animated one or Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey. Okay. It'd be the animated one because it's only 30 minutes. Yeah. True. <laughs> but here we are. So. Um. I think that's about it for me. Um. Yeah. Kids still have school and. Just uh, just plugging away. So, all right, man, you ready? Let's rock and roll. All right, man. Let's uh, let's go ahead and start off with our with our our main one that you and I've both watched now. And I feel like I, there needs to be like a bigger like group discussion about this. And I actually thought about inviting people to try and join us for like a bigger group discussion, but. I, Never got around to it, so that's just me. Yeah. Um. So, Antebellum. We need to talk about it. <laughs> I need to talk about it. I need to talk about it, okay? You may not need to. I need to talk about it. Okay. Because, because this movie <laughs> is, is wild, to put it mildly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Antebellum, which is available at... Redbox right now, so and I've encouraged people to go rent it because I really enjoyed this. And I've actually, it, you know, a movie, you know, you like a movie when you're thinking about it afterwards. And if you're still thinking okay. about it like another day, like if you're still thinking about this movie the next day or a couple of days later, it's one you know you've liked because you're because you're still thinking about it. And you're like, wow. Yeah. So. Yeah, so and I'm gonna do my best not to get spoilery because it's so e- it's so easy to kind of accidentally give something away, and I was really hesitant on wanting to talk about this movie because yeah. it's just you really the less you know going into this movie, the better, I think. Um, so Annabelle is about successful author author Veronica Henley, played by Janelle Monet who finds herself trapped in a horrifying reality and must uncover the mind-bending mystery before it's too late. That is probably the biggest glossy, that's like the glossiest way to describe this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a lot easier to, so the movie starts out um, with 
Janelle Monet's character, Veronica. By the way, phenomenal actress in this movie. And really, mm. like, I really enjoyed her acting. I, I thought it was very, very well done. Very convincing, I guess is a good way to put it. Right. Um, I really liked Jenna Malone's acting in it, too, because she's not really known for these type of roles. And even her southern a- accent, maybe not the best, but it still was good enough, you know. And Like, she's not really a villain in movies. So yeah. for, her, for, for her to be one of the villain, like, I guess the main villain, you know, was good because I have enjoyed her acting for years. But I just, yeah, it was so good. <laughs> like I, So basically, the movie starts with uh, Janelle Monáe's character, Veronica, waking up. I mean, she's being brought to this, well, antebellum. Um, a state where uh, it shows, you know, uh, Confederate soldiers, you know, bringing her in and uh, brought her in over, you know, basically slumped over a horse. Mm-hmm. And you see a couple that's a uh, couple of people that are or a couple of slaves that are fighting and or at least it looks like they're fighting. And one tries to get away and they are basically one gets shot and the other one gets brought back. Yeah. And just screaming. And you're like, okay. And then it just shows her mental breakdown, I guess is a good way to put it, of having to be brought here. And all these people trying to basically show the daily goings on of what happens at this establishment. Right. I don't know the best way to word that, but it's. Um, horrifying establishment. There we go. Not to make it sound, <laughs> not to make it sound um, like a lovely place to be, but it's and what the people are going through, um, both the slaves and the soldiers and everyone involved. And about what 45 minutes in, probably there's a reveal. I guess is a good way to put it. Yeah, as far as how she got there. Yeah. Yeah, and. Well, not even how she got it. It it starts. You're like, wait a minute, what's going on? It's very like Twilight Zone. I'm like, okay. And then you have what? There's still three different. You still have like three. Like at least for me, there was like three different reasons why what's going on now. Mm-hmm. How that translates to this, you know, what was going on in the first part of the movie. Right. And so it's not. It doesn't give anything away. Do not look at IMDb spoiler section i'm gonna go ahead and tell you that much don't do that yeah <laughs> but it but because then it will give away the ending and i may have accidentally stumbled because i was looking at trivia because i was you know curious yeah um i started to see this one like, nope, and i clicked off of it put my phone away um <laughs> but it does give it does make you think you're like okay what is going on what could be the reasoning behind what's going on here and how that relates to What's going on there? Basically, I guess the best way I could I can give the reveal without giving away the plot is that it goes from her character in during the Civil War, and then moves to basically present time where they're talking about, um, you know, where she's talking about her latest book, and uh, it was good to see Gabrielle Sidibe in this movie. I hadn't seen her in my, I haven't seen her much since um, 
Last thing I think I saw her in was American Horror Story, uh, the Coven series. Well, no, I guess she was in like one or two other ones, but small roles. Yeah. Um, so it was good to see her in the feature film. And I, I really liked her character, kind of over-the-top bestie. Um, but it was... So you're trying to figure out how the person in the current time relates to the person. Like, is it her past? Is it somebody in her family? Like, how is it connecting? And, right. you know, at the, you know, and it kind of goes as the movie progresses, you kind of see how those things come together. But then the, you know, and how this movie, which, as I'm describing, it kind of sounds like a drama, but isn't a drama. It's very much... Um, a horror movie it's just more of a psychological horror you know because yeah. what what you know how how you i guess it's more of a psychological thriller i guess than as it is like horror in the traditional sense with like blood and guts and horrific images and you know um and then the big i don't know reveal or twist however you want to call it at the very end of the movie, and it just really makes you go, wow. Or at least yeah. it did for me. At least it did for me. Yeah, I mean, not to say what it was, it just, I was kind of, like, it made me a little disappointed, <laughs> but we oh, okay. find out what was going on. I don't know. I mean, when I when I watched it, so... So basically, there's a book I read before watching the movie, okay. and apparently there may be controversy where the ideas for this movie came from this book that oh, really? came out two years ago, okay. and you know they the authors had reached out to some people to hopefully bring their idea to the big screen, only to find out their idea came to the big screen, and they had no idea <laughs> that that was going to happen. And that's not the first time that's happened in a movie yeah. business ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And then, you know, I was reading where some people compare it to another book by, um, it's called Kindred. I was kind of hoping uh-huh. I would have had it read by the time we talked about it, but I oh. hadn't finished. I hadn't finished that one. But um, similarities more to the previous book I read as far as what's going on. And uh, um, I mean, it's not like word for word, page, you know, everything, but there's a lot of elements that seem pulled from yeah, it. Yeah. You know, then I, I I don't think it's really like mad that it happened. It's just like, hey, at least give us credit. You know, let it you know at least let us know that you're doing that type thing, which of course it happens a lot, you know you know, right. that does well, happen. And yeah. What uh one thing it says here is that uh Gerard Bush, one of the co writers, co directors, um, mm-hmm. got the idea from a nightmare he once had he initially thought it would be a good basis for a short story, but he later developed it with his co-director, co-director Christopher Renz, into a screenplay for a feature film. Yeah, that's. Um, so it also says that they direct that they um, actually acquired the lenses used to shoot Gone with the Wind in order to uh, to create the same feel of that movie, but at the same time, you know, in air quotes, correct. It by showing a more accurate depiction of the antebellum period, especially yeah. the treatment of slaves. Yeah, I mean it did it did that like as far as the the imagery and the set pieces and the the costume like you know it got that pretty spot on and then the performances were great. It's just the ending kind of 
took the air out of me. <laughs> you right. Know? So, but everything up to that point, I was like, okay, cool. But what got me was like the trailer kind of gave you a feeling like it was going to be more, I guess, spiritual elements to it. Gotcha. But, you know, which that wasn't really there. It was more, I guess, just showing. Well, I want I can't spoil it, but yeah, it, it was just given. It was a different approach to it, basically, than right. what the trailer gave. Yeah, I think the probably the reason why they cut the trailer like that because they didn't want to get. They were afraid if they put too much, they might give it away. Mm-hmm. They're probably having to tiptoe <laughs> through the cutting through the yeah. cutting room. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I could see that happening at least. Um, but all I mean to me, I thought the acting was really well done. I think for Janelle Monae's first feature-length film, I thought she did a fantastic job. Yeah, because uh, before that she just had like get like she was like post like bit parts, and this is like right. her first starring role. So yeah. yeah, yeah, she did she did she did pretty good job in that. So, I I personally would recommend it, especially because it's at Redbox. I mean, when it was twenty dollars on iTunes to rent, I was kind of yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> but I'm like I want to see it, but not that much. Right. But I do definitely want, you know, I, I definitely wanted to. Uh, <clears throat> but as soon as it came to Redbox, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm there. Right. Yeah, for sure. All right. So um, something I want to talk about, but don't really want to get into too much. Um, but just kind of mention, because we I know on a previous episode, I mentioned that. um I had seen, or I was going back trying to watch old 80s horror movies that I had never seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, uh, what I did was I went and I watched uh, Children of the Corn for the first time. And I had never seen it. I've always heard about it. I've seen that there's been a bunch of sequels. Um, so I was like, I'm going to go watch this. You know, why not? It's on, I think it was, you know, it's on Prime. Why not? So, uh, just real quick, if, for people that haven't seen it, it came out in 1984. It's an hour and 32 minutes long. Uh, it's a young couple is trapped in a remote town where a dangerous religious cult of children believes that everyone over the age of 18, um, uh, over the age, everyone over the age of 18 must be killed. So he is, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Stars Peter Horton from who I remember from Thirty Something from when I was younger, and of course Linda Hamilton, and uh, Courtney Gaines who I only know from the 1989 classic The Burbs, so because <laughs> yeah, he played yeah. Hans, um, but he's also like the main like one of the main bad guys in this movie, which is great. So it's good to see him. He plays uh, Malachi, so it was great to actually see him in something else, you know. And yeah, no, it's it's a very '80s movie. I mean, it's great though. I mean, it's right. it's different. You know, it's I don't know what I was expecting, but for it being a religious cult in Nebraska, not far fetched. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But yeah, no, it was it was it was fine. I you know I don't know why it's rated R, which not really sure how that. Because uh, it's 80, I'm not sure when in 84 this came out. Because um, 1984 is when they first introduced PG-13. Uh, the MPAA first introduced uh, 
the PG-13 rating. This probably could have gotten the PG-13 rating, honestly. You know, honestly. Um, but, yeah, no, it's it was fine. It was... I'm glad I can now say that I've actually seen it. So, Add that to the Stephen King movies I have now watched. My next movie is probably going to be one people aren't going to be interested in watching right now. Because it might be that, you know, fresh wounds and hashtag too soon type of things. Yeah. But I watched the HBO documentary 537 Votes. <laughs> so this is about the 2000 election in Florida. Well, mm-hmm. I mean... 2000 presidential election that basically came down to 537 votes in Florida. This is about the whole hanging Chad and pregnant Chad and all that fun stuff from 20 years ago. So um, I watched it because I was interested because I, I like documentaries. I like, you know, political documentaries. I, well, I like most any kind really as long as it's done well. Yeah. So I watched this and it's really, you know, there's a lot of things that I didn't realize 20 years ago because I wasn't as, you know, it's, I don't want to say aware, but I wasn't as invested, I guess, in everything like I used to. Plus, you know, living and growing up in Missouri at this time, I, everything that was going on in Florida wasn't at the forefront for me 20 years ago. Um Trying to survive college. <laughs> it was kind of more there. Um, <clears throat> so the uh, it's a so this movie doesn't just talk about the election itself. It gets into into uh, the whole custody battle over the six year old Elian Gonzalez uh, that mm-hmm. flooded his way here to from Cuba um, with his family, but his family didn't make his mom and I think other sibling or siblings um, didn't survive the trip <clears throat> and the whole does he stay does he go back how does that work because his dad still lives in Cuba but his his other his family who is you know they were coming to join in Florida mm-hmm. <clears throat> basically took custody you know as foster parents or whatever until they can get it decided so it goes it delves all the way into that and apparently how that whole how the US government how the government dealt with that, the FBI, Attorney General and the administration the uh, administration at the time dealt with that particular you know uh, situation. Right. And how in Miami Dade County in two thousand it helped sway the outcome of the presidential election. Because they basically said, you know, we're sending him back to Cuba because you know, he's, his dad is there. His dad has parental right, you know, to have his son back if he wants him back. Yeah. <clears throat> and the, in the uh, Cuban community down there, which is very big and, like, has a very prominent radio station that, you know, is, uh, can help, you know, is very popular in, in uh, the Miami-Dade area and basically how they messaged and then pretty much um, how everybody was against it. And then, you know, you got Al Gore coming through, who's part of this administration that's responsible for Elyon's return. And basically the reason why so many people voted Republican that year, because they, 
it came down to this one central issue of Elyon. More or less, I mean, according to the documentary. Right. <laughs> and so, of course, um, one of the parts in the movie was talking about how, because uh, they do interviews with people that were there, obviously, and worked there, and people that were part of each campaign for that, you know, in that state, and that were in charge of trying to run each, you know, the both the Democrat and the Republicans campaign for that state, you know, and how they dealt with that issue. And basically, like they said, you know, in more affluent areas of, you know, of Miami, there were, you know, high tech, you know, much nicer voting machines. And in the poorer areas, there were like your punch ballot ones that, because the high, you know, the the uh, the more richer areas had the computer ones, you know, touchscreen and all that. But yeah. the more poor areas had the punch things, because just because, as they put it, because that's America. In a nutshell, I'm like, wow, that's a little rush, a little, or a little harsh, but yeah. But at the same time, I mean, it wasn't really wrong. Um, so it was very insightful. I actually learned quite a bit, even though I lived through all of this, how I voted in that election. Um, but I felt like I learned quite a bit just as far as like how much, how much what went on really, you know, really uh, impacted um, the winning, you know, the outcome. And it is kind of that comes out this year <laughs> during during this election in which they're talking about either counting votes or stop counting votes, depending on what state it is, I guess. Um, So how relevant it is today, but at the same time, it's also very different. You know, we're talking about 537 votes, period, as opposed to, as opposed to, um, you know, thousands of votes, (laughs) you know, that they're trying to, you know, that, and how different, you know, the situation is just because he, you know, uh, Gore, wanted to recount, you know, hand recount, that makes more sense. And actually by law, if it's with, you know, depending on what state you're in, if it's mm-hmm. within a certain margin, um, it has to be automatically recounted. So this would have been one of those situations where, um, for when I believe, for when I remember, it had to be recounted anyways because of how close the margin was. <clears throat> but it's very... <clears throat> It was very interesting to watch. Um, dropped on uh, HBO Max October 21st. Um, it's an hour and 44 minutes long. I really enjoyed watching it. Um, there's a nice pace to it. It's not kind of slow and boring. It's it's very quick paced and um, it keeps you interested for sure. Um, so if you are able to watch this, I would definitely and you kind of have a uh, you kind of have a uh, what's the word an interest in those type of movies and documentaries. I would recommend that. Also, HBO did a movie years back called the called Recount that basically talked about this as well, but it's a fictional version of you know, it's a more narrative version of of the uh, the film instead of a documentary style. Um, but that it was done pretty well too. So. Uh, and it was direct. This is directed by uh, Billy Corbin, who has also um, trying to. Find, he's produced a lot of stuff, and uh, excuse me. 
And he's got some things that he's directed that I haven't. Uh, oh, he did the Co- Cocaine Cowboy documentary and uh, Cocaine Cowboys Reloaded in 2014 about uh, about the cocaine drug trade in the 80s coming in to uh, Florida. From... So that's done really well, too. So, yep. Um, so that's five. 537 votes, or 5-3 votes, whichever. Um, and then, uh, real quick, we, so I know I talked about how we watched School of Rock because it's too early for Christmas movies. After the kids went to bed, sure enough, what happens? We watch a Christmas movie. Yeah. We watch, uh, Ruth and I watched A Bad Mom's Christmas. Um, I was just happy because Ruth wanted to watch, you know, to watch something so i'm like all right sure that's fine i had seen the original really loved the original um bad moms and so um bad moms christmas didn't disappoint it's very funny it's very at times raunchy but i mean it's kind of if you've seen the first one the first one's not exactly tame um but i really enjoyed it and um it had some really laugh out loud moments Cheryl Hines plays um, plays Kristen Bell's mom, and uh, Christine Baranski plays Mila Kunis's mom, and Susan Sarandon plays Katherine Hahn's mom. And it's basically about the well, at least two of the moms. Um, Susan Sarandon comes to pay a visit to her daughter because mainly she needs money. Um, Kristen Bell's mom comes for Christmas. Uh, I guess uh, Christian Bell's dad had passed away, so her mom's just very, you know, passed away at a young age. So they've always been super close just because they've only had each other. So it's about her having to deal with the dynamics of her being super needy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, they're a bit over the top, but, you know, they're over the top to make a funny point. And then um, Peter Gallagher plays um, Mila Kunis's dad, who's in it some, but not as much as. Christine Baranski, I'm like, wow. Um, and who feels like she needs to give uh, Mila Kunis's her and her kids most over-the-top and elaborate Christmas possible because they don't have a father this year. Okay. And I'm like, well... And she's like, no, we want a low-key... We've talked. Me and the kids have already talked about it. We want a low-key, just chill Christmas, just you know, hanging out in her pajamas, watching movies and stuff. And she's like, oh, no, we're not doing that. So it's all about, you know, the dynamics with their their mothers, more or less. Okay, um, okay. You know, so it's, but in, you know, there's, but there's a lot of funny parts in it. I would totally, I'd probably add this to movies I'd watch, you know, for holiday movies, because it's very funny. I, I got some good laughs out of it. Um yeah, some good acting. I mean, very comedic. Of course, you know, and I think Christine Bransky because, you know, for Christmas movies, I immediately think of uh, Jim Carrey's The Grinch because she plays, I guess, the love interest or whatever. She's the one that has, like, the little gun that shoots the Christmas lights on the onto the house. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, well, where's her, where's her Christmas light shooting gun? And I was right. like, what? I go, dude, from Grinch. I mean, I know that much. From the umpteen times Grayson's had us watch it. She's like, oh yeah, I forgot that was her. I'm like, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I would recommend uh, only parents watching this. I mean, you don't have to be up here. Sorry, only adults watching this. Not a kid's movie whatsoever. Um, definitely one to watch when your kids are not around. Um, lastly, um, the movie I'm going to talk about. So um, people that have seen my seen our post or seen been on our socials or whatever have seen Ruth made me a Blair Witch shirt that I had come up with an idea for one day. And yeah. I said, hey, I've got an idea for a shirt. And uh, so she she actually got around. She made it for me. And so I posted the picture of it. And it was making me think about different, you know, talking about how much, just kind of getting back to how my love for the Blair Witch movie, it's the first one, um, and how much I love just everything that involved in the making of that movie, the making, marketing, and finished product. And then, you know, and the phenomena that followed it, you know, as far as uh, after it came out. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to start looking, you know, I started thinking about it the other day, started looking at movies that the directors have done recently that I could talk about or just that I could see what they've done. And so I found one, uh, Daniel uh, Myrick, who uh, was one of the co-directors and I guess I should say co-creators of the Blair Witch Project project had a movie come out this year back in early july i believe um called uh sky man it's on amazon prime it follows the story of carl merriweather who believes he experienced an alien encounter at 10 years old and is now trying to reconnect with the ufo at the same location so daniel myrick uh, wrote and directed this movie it's an hour and 32 minutes long I would say it's PG. There's actually no rating on it, but okay. it might be two curse words. It's, um, so really, anybody can watch it. It's the best way to describe this movie. It's it's a mock documentary, so it's a mockumentary, whatever you want to call it. But it's done so well. Um, Ruth asked me twice because I watched it upstairs last night. Ruth asked me twice, to, "Are you sure this is not real?" Because it because of the feel of the documentary while watching it felt as if this these were real people. That's how good the acting is. <laughs> is that she because they're just acting like everyday people. You know, it's not very over the top. The documentary crew does a good job of filming it as if it's like a documentary, and just following kind of the I would say mundane aspects of of their you know of everything. This is not. It's listed as sci-fi. I would say it's more of a drama than anything. There are sci-fi elements in the sense of what the subject matter is about, but I think it's more of a a, a drama because it's more about the it's more about this grown man who's about to turn forty, wanting to go, you know, and he's been dealt with, you know, he's had this deep emotional and, you know. Uh, trauma happened to him at 10 years old and the fact that nobody in the small town that he lives in has ever believed him and he's got you know one friend that i think works at like a hardware store or whatever that has agreed to go help him you know he's went to go buy him like motion sensors and set up and everything right and they're going to set up and you know he's helping him out they're staying out in these like what do you call those i don't know what kind of trailers do you call them but the ones that like go on boat barges and stuff like that, cargo. Okay. 
cargo. I don't know what the, I don't know what they're called, but I know yeah, but you know, but yeah. you get what I'm talking. The big metal cargo ship, you know, things that they load up on the on the ships and then send them overseas and stuff. But there's basically two of those that he's made into like a like a living area, like a house, mm-hmm. more or less, out in this desert. And so this is where they stay, and they're setting up. They're trying to talk about um, like his story. You can see. You can see how depressed he is. Not really, but you know, and show like they do a good job of showing when um, they're when he's talking, like him fidgeting with his fingers, you know, and maybe picking his nails because he's just got all this pent up anxiety from you know this childhood trauma. Right. It is a very kind of subdued film, but it's very methodical in its in the way it's doing it. It's not meant to be some big action type movie. It's a character piece. I mean, it's focusing on this main character, his sister, who's agreed to go with him and his friend, um, Marcus. And they you know there's a scene where he goes to uh, basically like an alien convention to try and speak to other people that have had encounters as well. And then he gets like interviewed by somebody who thinks he's, you know, making it up, you know, or they kind of, after he after they get done talking to him, he's like, "Wow, what a weird, you know, what a weird, you know, what a weirdo and stuff." I'm like, "Well, you're at a alien convention, you know." He thinks he has the sighting, you know. You probably ought to take it, you know. He's trying to get his story out because that's gonna. He feels like that's gonna help him kind of overcome all of this and mo- try and move on. And one of the reasons why he hasn't shared his story is because of people just thinking that. And right. You know, his mom's in a nursing home and, you know, so he didn't really have anybody that can. His dad had disappeared. His dad was in the military, you know, flew fighter plane or flew a helicopter, I guess. And, you know, his dad's no longer there. So he uh, he he really doesn't have much of anybody to kind of support him in this. But it's about the setup. It's about it shows like all this research he's been doing for, you know, like 30 years drawings that he's done as a kid you know, of this alien that he had in contact with. And so um, there is a payoff at the end of the movie. Um, towards the end, it kind of gets kind of, you can see the Blair Witch influence, I guess, um, kind of towards the end of it. But it's not going to be one that's going to be, like it's going to have a lot of things going on, I guess is a good way, because it's done like a documentary or kind of follows them doing set up research going to like this convention trying to feel with trying to get him to him and the family dynamics you can see his sister and his friend trying to like listen we need to try and help him with this but also you know understand that this is probably not true but we need to try and you know if this is going to help him move on we need to try and try and help him with that right and you know, I, I actually really enjoyed it because, you know, I didn't enjoy it as a sci-fi movie, but I enjoyed it as a character piece of a drama with obviously the subject matter being uh, his abduction and the fact that he sees these two owls and he says, well, you know, according to these books, owls are just messengers from like another dimension or something like that and that, you know, they're showing up because um, they're coming, you know, basically that's they come first as like scouts or whatever, and then 
they show up, you know, then the aliens will show up. Um, so I thought it was very interesting concept and just the way they decided to go about it as far as just showing him and what he's going through and that, you know, maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong, maybe he just had, you know, an emotional, you know, something happened to him when he was a kid and that's what he's using to kind of help with that emotional trauma. And that maybe he's just have you know he's just not all there, so they do a good job kind of showing that, and then you know as there's more and more evidence kind of mounting that he may actually be right. So, um, again, I actually enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was a very interesting concept of something that I hadn't seen done before, or at least not done before and executed well. So, um, that Skyman. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime, hour and 32 minutes. And yeah, so I think that's what I got. Alrighty. It's all you, man. Alright. <clears throat> so the first uh, movie I talk about is the movie Spell that uh, came out October 30th of this year. Yeah, I was looking at maybe wanting to watch that, so. Alright. Um, <laughs> it's an hour and it's a, it's a 90 minute movie. So it's a little sweet, good sweet spot time. Uh, directed by Mark Tin, I want to say the name is is Tondere or Tondere. I think that's right. Uh, stars Amari Hardwick as Marquise T. Woods and Loretta Devine as Miss Eloise. Uh, box office brought in four hundred thirty thousand, and basically the story is. Uh, while flying to his father's funeral in rural Appalachia, an intense storm causes Marcus to lose control of the plane, carrying him and his family. He awakens wounded, alone, and trapped in Miss Eloise's attic, who claims she can nurse him back to health with the boogity, which is basically a hoodoo figure, figure or voodoo doll, that she has made from his blood and skin. Uh, he's unable to call for help, so Marcus desperately tries to outwit and break free from her dark magic to save his family from a sinister ritual before the rise of the blood moon. Um, this was an interesting movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was it was kind of was kind of slow getting started, but I kind of had a feeling like once he gets to where he needs where the set piece is, then things will pick up. So once he wakes up. Well, he's he gets the, he goes to the funeral. He gets a call. He's like an attorney, but um, he has a private jet. And as the plot summary says, he they fly out. But um, you know, they stop off this gas station, and inside the gas station they have all these different little um, voodoo ritual items like snake skin and just you know random things there. It's how can I describe it? So they encounter this young boy, or at least the son does. And <clears throat> so the son is like asking for service. And the, the dude responds, so, you know, this isn't slave times, man. You got to pump your own gas. But he's mean service for the phone. Oh, so, yeah. But, uh, but, but what I thought was weird is that they actually landed the plane near a gas station, like landed. And I've I never seen no. that before. Like, they, you know, just pull up like a car and get your gas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, that and that nobody else would find that odd, like right. There's a freaking plane, right? <laughs> but, but before they leave, one of the 
police officers pull up, you know, they start freaking out like, oh, my God, you know, kind of like if they're sitting in a car and they get pulled over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, so basically the cop just says you're going <laughs> right. So when the cop interacts with him, he just says, you know, we don't get a lot of planes coming through. So we just want to make sure they were good. You know. <laughs> I hope not. Right. But um, after they take off, they get caught in the storm, crash, and he wakes up in this attic. And when he wakes up, it's just him in the bed in this room. He doesn't know where he's at. And that's when he meets Miss Eloise. And, you know, his main prop, his primary objective is where's my family? You know, and right. then they're real religious. So he's cussing, dropping elf bombs and everything. And she's like, oh, we can't have this. <laughs> this kind of talking, you know. Right. So she calls her husband up. But um, he's walking on a cane. So there's really not much he can do, you know, because the dude's walking around. Yeah. So call called Lewis and he's just like this big tall doesn't speak just about action he basically tackles him and puts him back in the bed so he's basically their muscle um and so he starts to kind of kind of freak out he wants to get out try to find out where his family is right and at some point he does make it out like he it's a, it's a storm going on and he uh makes it to the roof yeah and then he stumbles upon one of their their a barn where they're kind of having this ritual where this woman can't speak. So with the use of their hoodoo doll, she takes a cat's tongue and puts it in the doll. And all of a sudden, this woman can now speak. She puts a cat's tongue in a doll. In the doll that looks like the woman. And so and by putting... Yeah, so by putting... Okay. Hmm, right, 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 right. She puts the, the tongue in the doll figure... And somehow that makes her be able to talk now. And then and talking cat or did she talk? And <laughs> she, she just spoke. She didn't have no teeth either, which was weird. <laughs> but she could talk. <laughs> so uh, I to put the cat's teeth in there. <laughs> yeah, and she literally makes a comment like, "Well, the cat no longer has your tongue, so you should be able to speak." Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. metaphor type shit. Yeah, and so they have a gentleman come up who can't see has no eyes so they take the eyes from a goat and put it in his doll if you already already cut the right (laughs) and then all of a sudden he's able to see and which he spots marcus up top looking down on them and so marcus has to run and get back to bed otherwise they're gonna you know they find out that he was he he made it out but it it was weird because it kind of feels like a little bit of misery you know how yeah Kind of, kind of felt like that at some point. So she fixes some food. He wakes up one morning and he just, you know, he just t- devours it. You know, it's so good he eats it. And so he's eating the meat off the bones. She takes the bones and says, "You can, uh, you can use it to find out and whatnot." And she leaves him with him, and he starts putting the bones together. And that really starts to he just ate possibly food for, that was human. Oh wow. Um, right. Let's see. <clears throat> trying to say is this movie's not for me. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, there's nothing to do with the eye, like other than them taking the cat's eyes out, which they don't show. Just so you know that they don't show that. They don't really mess with the human eyes, so you don't have to worry about about that too much. Um, let's see. He and basically he's just trying he's trying to figure out a way to get out but every time he does he gets stopped and brought back to the house and she uses this this dark magic dust that she blows in his face that 
basically stuns him and puts him back to sleep. She has another. She has two. Tasks, one that puts him to sleep. One that'll wake him up. So. <clears throat> um, Can I get some of that that puts people to sleep? I'm just. I'm asking for one, maybe two kids. That's all. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and. I don't, I don't, I don't want to spoil it too much. But he starts yeah. to, he he figures out that this town that he's in, these people have been here for for a while. Right. Um. I guess you can say since, basically, since like eighteen hundreds. Okay. And he he realized that this ritual they have to do is basically keeps them here. You know they, but they they don't they don't really dig deep into what the ritual is exactly. Yeah. Which is one of the things I didn't. I feel like they could have done to maybe flesh things out a little bit. I, like there, are, there's a lot about this movie that I like, but then there's quite a bit that I didn't. I, I still think it might be worth watching once you, if you can make it past the first 20 minutes. Once things get going with him trying to escape his his situation, okay. and um, like he has a relationship with his father that plays into this, but they, we don't get a lot from it. But it may or may not help him in his situation. Um, but with it being 90 minutes, it's not really a big waste of time. It's watchable, very much watchable. And um, I liked it. Yeah. In an overall sense, even though, you know, you can nitpick what they could have done better as far as pacing and some of the acting. But um, that's Spell. I think last time I mentioned it, you said, was this uh, like a Tyler Perry movie? Right. <laughs> or something. Thankfully, it doesn't feel like Tyler Perry. And apparently <laughs> but, not. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, um, but yeah, but I, I feel like Loretta Devine did pretty good playing Miss Eloise. She's real, real Southern, religious, but also has got a craziness to her. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's see. And then the first movie I watched this, which uh, was dubbed A Cry for Help, The Mummy from 2017. Yes. Oh my yeah. god! You say you're watching. I don't go. Why is he watching this? Oh my god! I hope he's okay. Is he in a safe place? <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, there's so many movies to watch. And he's watching this. So I finished watching. Yourself, sir. I, finished, <laughs> I finished watching the second episode of Mandalorian, and um, there was still this was after work, but there was still time. So I was like, you know, let me find something to watch. And I came across this movie, and I'm like, well, I'd never seen it. Didn't really want to watch it. But for some reason, I decided to. <laughs> um, yeah, I just put it on, and I, bro- I think I, restar- I, bro- I restarted. I, bro- I broke you with cats, didn't I? I think that's what it is. Like I was like, man, I didn't, I've seen cats, so I think I could pretty much watch anything now. Oh, man. <laughs> I have no one to play by myself. Yep. It's your fault. <laughs> So this movie came out June 9th, 2017. It's an hour and 51 minutes, directed by Alex Kurtzman, and starring our boy Tom Cruise <laughs> as uh, Nick Morton, Annabelle Wallace as Jenny Halsey, uh, Sophia Botella as Amanet. We have Jake Johnson, Chris Vale, um, Courtney B. Vance as uh, Colonel Greenway, Russell Crowe. Who may pop up later um, as Dr. Henry Jekyll. And basically, 
This is about an <clears throat> ancient Egyptian princess awakened in current day to regain her birthright, which was stolen some 5,000 years ago. And those who awaken her are now set to try to save humanity from this ancient terror. Yeah. So this was supposed to be the start of Universal's Dark Universe. Um, I can say that this is probably not the the best uh, start off point if you're going to start a universe. Um, and despite some of the reviews about it being not good, I was able to enjoy it. Um, I was la- I was I had a hard time taking this movie serious like I'm supposed to. It's no. impossible. No. It's impossible. And I was laughing way more than I probably should have been. Yes, same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even though it's listed as an action comedy, I mean action adventure film, I feel like you can sprinkle comedy in there. I think it's also, more comedy than anything else. Yes. Whether it's intentional or not, it's it's got some comedy elements. <laughs> um, because um. Like there's one shot where he goes, he tries to take on Amine by himself with a like a big um, tree branch, and she knocks him in the air like a Looney Tunes character. And yeah. I was watching, like the only thing missing was like sound effects. Yeah, <laughs> it's like bro, you can't use the power of Scientology to fight off a to fight off a mummy. No, not at all. <laughs> um, the power but... of L. Ron Hubbard compels you. The power <laughs> of L. Ron Hubbard compels you. Right. Um, but, you know, just like the Mission Impossible movies, you got the scene where she's doing a lot of running. That's nope, kind of yep, like yeah, a Tom Cruise staple. Just yep. run, 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 run. Um, but, yeah, like, it's not a great movie, but oh, no, it's looking at it the way that I approached it, <laughs> I, I just looked at it as a comedy. So yeah. I was able to get entertainment from it in that way. Um, but yeah, again, this is not – I can see why they decided not to do their universe <laughs> Because this movie yeah, was they, not it. Well, I think they're still yeah. planning on doing it. They're just um, going back to the drawing board, so to speak. Yeah, I was reading where the Blumhouse, they were trying to yeah. take it over and do it. Which I think if they did it, maybe it would turn out all right. Yeah, do, it like, do, a, do like a Marvel Spider-Man gig. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they did, they um, you know, had the Invisible Man, which they Turned say it's not. But it, it, it's good. I mean, they didn't have, I don't think they had anything in it that would hint at universe right. but if they were just doing standalone where it's like okay these are just a series of movies they don't connect but this is our our stuff right then you know it would have worked that way but yeah this this was i don't know if it's pure comedy goal but i had it, fun with it just for it, that reason it's, it's pure riff ta- riff tastic yes it's definitely a good riff movie yeah it's because even but, uh, I go, I can't. It's like God, and I thought Vanilla Sky was Tom Cruise's worst worst movie. Yeah. 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 Someone has taken over the mantle. Yeah, but um, one thing from it, that scene where they had the zero gravity in the plane. Yeah. They said that it took like sixty four takes and was shot in two days in a falling sounds plane. About right. yeah, yeah. Sounds about right. Yep. But um, but yeah, this is not how you start a universe of movies. No. No. <laughs> Not at all. Don't, you also don't start with the mummy. You you uh, you have to go on somewhere else with that because you start with like your uh, start with like your Frankenstein or your Dracula and move to the mummy towards the end. Right. But I mean, it's still 
It's, it's so ridiculous. But it's crazy. Like when they when they stumbled across the tomb, I'm like, you know what? You just just walk away. Just leave yeah. it alone. Leave well, it alone. this is pre 2020, so they didn't know any better. They still don't know any better. They still don't know. You're agreed. <laughs> yeah. Now you're very valid point. <laughs> um. But yeah. Just if if you do choose to watch it, just look at it as come with the comedic approach to yes. it, like it, it, comedy. Don't just know it's going to be <laughs> expected to be the cheesiest Tom Cruise movie. Oh you man, see. hold on. The, the funniest part was when they were in the church fighting Aminette and they run out. Yep. She's going one way, Tom Cruise going the other way. Hops in the van, gets ready to leave her, and he finally he does stop and let her in. He's like, "You're going to leave me? Did you not see that?" <laughs> So yeah. like, I was like, that was like the most, like, I was like, even Tom Cruise is ready to check out. Yeah, he's like, nope. <laughs> he's like, nah, I'm out. Well, and what cracks me up, too, is, is like, oh, okay, Russell Crowe's going to be Dr. Jenko, Mr. Hyde. And then he starts turning. I'm like, this is fucking stupid. That's where I kind of was like, this is so fucking stupid. I hate this so much. So I'm like, if you need to be injected with something, just give yourself an IV. Walk with the IV bag. <laughs> yeah, man. Just, just yeah. There's a lot of exposition in that scene, too. Oh, I was like, God. Yeah, all right. Like, I yeah. felt concussed with exposition. <laughs> yes. Concussed. Instead of Dr. Jekyll, he should have been Mr. Exposition. <laughs> yes. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Exposition. Like, like his, his, <laughs> and his thing should have been, like, that could have been like an end credit thing. Like, if you're going to do this, do this at the end. If you're going to yes. put all this stuff in it. Right. Yeah. Make it like yeah. an end credit scene. Boom. Yeah. Done. Like, you know, you have all your main stuff happen. They've defeated this, and then boom, they get sent here, and like, then you get all this stuff. But, yeah. Oh, well, they but it was just our funny. <laughs> and that's for our <laughs> Yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't a horrible experience, but maybe it's just my PTSD from cats kicked yep. in. Yep. Yep. Blame. We'll blame it all on cats. <laughs> uh, so. <clears throat> The last movie, Unhinged. Which, Speaking of Russell Crowe. Like, yeah, like I said, he's <laughs> popping up. He might as well have been Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in this, because that's pretty much his character. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I was I, I read a, someone's comment on the trailer video, and they said, said wow, this Russell Crowe Russell Crow documentary is really intense. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. But um, uh, uh, you can get this on VOD. Uh, rental or purchase on Vudu, Apple TV. Uh, came out August 21st, <clears throat> 2020. Action thriller. It, too, is 90 minutes long. Uh, the director is Derek Bort, or Borte. Uh, the budget was $33 million and it managed to bring in 42.8. So, okay. uh, of course, starring Russell Crowe as Tom Cooper. Karen Pistorius as Rachel Flynn. <clears throat> uh, Gabriel... Bateman as Kyle Flynn, her son. Jimmy Simpson as Andy, Rachel's friend slash uh, divorce lawyer. Austin P. McKenzie as Fred, which is Rachel's brother. <clears throat> so, after a confrontation with an unstable man at an intersection, a woman becomes the target of his rage. <laughs> so, as so as stated, Rachel recently divorced. She's basically trying to get her son, Kyle, to, to school on time. And, of course, traffic is heavy, heavy. And she also, she's never on time anyway, <laughs> for her character. 
But they get stuck behind a truck, which as they show in the trailer, the light's green, but he's not moving. And she just lays into the horn and eventually speeds past, kind of giving the look like, come on, you know, we got got place to be. But the driver catches up to her and, you know, he apologizes for not moving, but feels like she should right. have given a courtesy, courtesy honk. And, um, you know, I think they even showed in a trailer where he's like, you know, maybe that's what she her intentions were. Just give me a courtesy honk. And she's like, no, I, I, I did what I was planning to do. <laughs> but um, but again, he apologizes. Says, yeah, he apologizes. Says he's had a bad day. Quest that she gives him an apology, and of course she's like, no. <laughs> and you know he just, I mean, from there he just decides he's okay. I'm gonna make your your day hell. I'm gonna make you understand what a bad day is. And you know he proceeds to harass and stalk and chase. And kind of goes on a murderous rampage just because she didn't give a courtesy tap of the horn to get him to go. <laughs> but um, we start off showing uh, Russell Crowe, who himself is going through divorce. Okay. He decides that morning to break in to his ex-wife's house. and. Yes, you do. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. Yeah, you don't want to do what he did. Okay. <laughs> he he break he breaks in and needs to. Uh, he, he basically takes them out and burns the house down. Oh. That's how that's how he starts his day. I mean, I usually start my day off with coffee, but you know some people. Yeah. Start their day off different. So so that so that's how he's had a bad day. He, he started off doing that. Somehow that that's his bad day. Um, so he he manages her phone, calls her from it, and tries to make her pay by hurting people close to her, basically. Okay. And this just continues and goes on and on. This basically, I guess, it's trying to say like. Honking at someone or laying into your horn could lead to someone having road rage, and I'm surprised there hadn't been any copycats from this. Right. It might. It's my. Because yeah, I was like, it might not have been the after watching it, like this might not have been the best movie to have this time. <laughs> but um, it was. I don't. I don't know if I would say it was okay. <laughs> um, it too is watchable, but I don't know if I'd recommend it unless you just like Rush, Russell Crowe and seeing people. The road rage, road rage go off on the on people, um, but as far as this movie, it was the first feature film to re- receive a wide release in American theaters after a period of five months, which uh, from March to August, you know, because of COVID nineteen. Yeah, uh, it opened with four point four million and over eighteen hundred screens. Um, let's see. I mean, it was a it was an okay movie. It wasn't terrible. It's just it's a lot of senseless acts. <laughs> it just shows how yeah. crazy some people can be can get. Um, let's see. The trailer featured a cover of Nirvana's "Heart Shaped Box." And of course, they had it slowed down, yeah. which yep. you know I thought that was cool. And 
in the movie, there's like a pair of candy cane scissors, which are not to the similarly themed uh, Joyride from 2001, okay, yeah. where the protagonist used a call sign of candy cane to anger the homicidal motorist, which it's almost like this one where <laughs> slow road rage. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a cool movie. It, it's just something like you put on in the background and right. not or really hey, pay attention to, but it's like yeah, shock. It winds up on like streaming or something like that. Be yeah, I don't even know if I'd say Redbox. Well, I mean, it'd be cheap. Yeah, I mean, Redbox maybe, or if it's on stream, I think it'll probably end up on Prime or maybe Hulu at some point. Yeah. Um, that was cool. I, I don't have much else to say about it. <laughs> it seemed like a lot of the scenes were like really for shock value because I was just like, wow, he really did that. Yeah. <laughs> just because she honked at him. Apologize. Yeah, like, and then man. I was thinking, like, this would have been a short movie if you just said I was sorry. I know, right? <laughs> Imagine sure. that, like, just apologize. Like, all right, you know, I, I sincerely apologize. And then he's like, all right, have a good day. There's some people that don't do apologies well, though. That's... True. True. <laughs> there's there's even a part where she where she's in the gas station paying for her gas, and she tells the store clerk, which they show in the trailer, that you know I think this guy's stalking me. You know, right. she's like, well, maybe you should call the cops. And another guy in there is like, you know what? It might have been a good idea because it'll probably just piss him off even more. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, just lets you know how unstable people can be. <laughs> yep, which is why um, there are times I'm thankful I don't know how to, I can't find my horn when I need to find it. But I can always yeah. find it when I don't need to. I don't right. know if it's just me or if that's like most people. But, like, anytime I need to try and actually honk my horn, I can never seem to freaking find the spot to honk. Whereas, you're not going to accidentally honk it all the damn time. I'm like, oops, sorry, my bad. I guess that's divine intervention scene. Jeff, no, you don't want to do this. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, Lord. I did, so, I actually was looking back and trying to see, like, some of the, what what all Russell Crowe's done lately. And I've actually seen a lot, him in a lot more things than I thought. Um, he was in the, I believe it's Showtime that did it. Um, the loudest voice about um, about Fox, and he played Roger Ailes, and about mm-hmm. all that. And he was actually really good in that. Um, I did believe he got a either nominated for an Emmy or Golden Globe for that. And then I forgot he was in Boy Boy Erased um, about the gay conversion camp. Um, it was him and Nicole Kidman, and he was really good in that as well. And then yeah, he just kind of goes. I mean, it's, I mean, all that's like. He'll do one or two projects a year, and then he's good. I think he's spending a lot more time with his family. Um, so I don't think he's doing as many movies as he used to. Yeah. Um, you know, a good one from 2016 was, I can't believe it's even been four years since it came out, was uh, The Nice Guys with Ryan Gosling. I thought he was really good in that one, too. That was a good kind of buddy one. To, I believe that's a Shane Black movie. And uh, it's a good buddy, not cop, yeah, yeah. but, you know, buddy crime you know, uh, private investigators. There we go. That's what it is. Um, movie that I thought okay, they okay. had really good chemistry together. I'm not sure as of right now where you can find it, but um, yeah, that's a good one if you haven't watched it. That's actually pretty good. Did you? You probably haven't, or didn't even know. Do you know he had a band? I don't think he's. I don't think they're still playing together. But oh, Russell Crowe. Yeah. He had a band it's called just, called Thirty ass. Odd Foot of Thirty Odd Foot of Grunts. I've got like three of their albums, and it's a bit old. I'll I'll uh, I'll post on our group page uh, a couple of their music videos. 
Not okay. bad. So he's actually a really good singer, despite his role in Les Mis. That's just that that was just a tough movie, anyways. Um, but it did not. His role is Javert, and he's not a Broadway singer. He's a kind of rockabilly um, singer. He's actually written one, possibly two songs about Nicole Kidman. And this is before he was married, and I think she was still, but they were good friends and stuff. And I think he had, like, a crush on her at some point. Ah. Um, this is when she was still married to Tom Cruise. Um, but, yeah, it's it's actually pretty good. I mean, it's, I, I re- actually really liked it. Um liked his music um but yeah I'll, I'll post a couple of their music video or a couple of his music videos on on our group page um and try and get people's thoughts on what they think yeah of his music um but yeah um yeah interesting nonetheless so interesting career he's had ellie <laughs> <laughs> confidential still one speaking of christmas movies or at least movies take place during christmas LA Confidential is kind of where everybody kind of learned about him, at least in the States. Um, he did he had done Romper Stomper and crap, I'm blanking on the other one, um, where he played a Nazi. Well, Romper Stomper is where he played a Nazi. I think he was in um, another movie, what, Virtuosity with Denzel. Yeah, yeah. with Denzel. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the first time that I'd seen him. I didn't know who he was. I think that's the first movie yeah. I recall. Yeah, and then Virtuosity came, or I mean, LA Confidential, I think, came out the year after, or close, close to it. Like it was, I think, it's the next project. But yeah, no, same thing, because I saw Virtuosity in Kansas City at Ward Parkway Mall. I don't know why I remember these stupid things like that. I think the reason why I remember is because the ladies in front of us were, <laughs> were all excited about, we're talking about Denzel. I think I've told this story about talking about Denzel and. It's like, mm, girl, you know I love me some Denzel. Oh, honey child, you don't even got it. Like, I could picture yeah. it clear as day. And I'm just sitting there going, I'm about to hear them get a little too freaky talking about Denzel. Too excited. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, he's so good. I could just eat him up. Yeah. Like, that was. And that, I'm that like, was... you know, I'm, and I'm just laughing. You know, I'm trying not to laugh. And I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to make it through this movie. <laughs> Right. Or they or they may not. I don't know. That's a it's gonna be fun, wasn't it? Um that's pretty packed though. No, and I and I actually liked virtuosity. It's it's de- certainly a product of its time, but it's still entertaining to watch. Yeah, now, I was trying to rewatch it this earlier. I, I didn't finish it, but I was trying to make my way through it rewatch yeah. it. Yeah. That's what popped back back in my mind just recently. Yeah. yeah. Now he's good. Sid Sid six I think is what it is. Or Sid 2.0. I think it's Sid 6.0. Anyways, I don't remember. Maybe it's Winter Part 6. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of god-awful movies. Uh, <laughs> my poor mom taking us to go see that. And me thinking that there's five other parts. <laughs> Not just the one. Yeah. Uh, bless. All right, man. Uh, trailers, real quick. Um... We have got a new Jackie Chan movie called Vanguard, which is not about the Nexium cult um, and Keith Raniere. Instead, it is about a uh, covert security company. Vanguard is the last hope of survival for for an accountant after he is targeted by the world's deadliest mercenary organization. Um, so it says it's coming out Friday, but I don't know to what. Um, hour and 48 minutes long. Jackie Chan. 
Okay. The Foreigner, if you haven't watched it, is a great Jackie Chan movie. Um, I forgot. It's on watch list. Yeah, it's it's good. It's on one of the streamings. I can't remember which, but um, I would I watched it and really enjoyed it. Um, let's see. And then coming to HBO Max, Steven Soderbergh's new movie, Let Them Talk. A uh, famous author goes on a cruise trip with her friends and nephew in a, an effort to find fun and happiness while she comes to terms with her troubled past. Starring Meryl Streep, uh, Gemma Chan, Diane Weist, Candace Bergen, uh, Lucas Hedges, and Saskia Larson. So that's uh, December 10th on HBO and then lastly is also coming to HBO Max is um, Super Intelligence, starring Melissa McCarthy, James Corden, Bobby Cannavale, uh, Brian Tyree Henry, Gene Smart, uh, Karen Sony, or Karan, sorry, Karan Sony, um, Michael Beach, I think it's Sam Richardson also in it. Yeah, that's it. Um, Superintelligence is uh, about um, an all-powerful superintelligence chooses to study average uh, Carol Peters, played by Melissa McCarthy. The fate of the world hangs in the balance. As the AI decides to enslave, save, or destroy humanity, it's up to Carol to prove that people are worth saving. Coming November 26th, just in time for Thanksgiving. So I'll probably watch that while I'm on break of sorts and um, rated PG. So I'll give that one a whirl. Sounds interesting. And that's it, man. Um, I'm, I think I already started uh, to talk about it. I'm starting. Um, I'm going to start watching Christmas movies I haven't seen before. Now, that's not your traditional ones. It's going to be ones like Bad Mom's Christmas. Um, I started Black Christmas, the uh, Blumhouse one, not the original. So I'm going to try and start finding movies kind of like that that are either Christmas-themed or non-traditional Christmas movies to watch and review. So Cool. That's... <clears throat> yeah. And I, I think I'm going to start trying to go back and watch movies I didn't catch. Maybe even some 80s movies. Yeah, man. I've been watching a lot. I've been listening to a lot of uh, Two Lafey, and they've been kind of helping inspire some interest in old right. movies that either I haven't seen in a while or I have never watched. Right. That's so, and that's kind of what I told them too. I was like, yeah. It's like I've got to, like I'm making like a list. I'm like, oh, I got from these actors, you know, and but some are going to be hard to find. That's the only problem. Right. Because uh, I watch, I did watch um, Better Off Dead. Yep. Which you know, it was. Uh, I may watch it again, <laughs> but um, and then of course that's what led me to watch um, Student Bodies, which is old that horror spoof that I hadn't watched since mm-hmm. I think I was like ten or eleven. Right. And uh, then last week I was listening to a lot of '80s music. I just plugged in YouTube <clears throat> uh, '80s um, movie movie songs, and yeah. um, there was like a playlist of like a hundred and think. 40 something songs that I was oh, listening wow. to. And that's a lot of songs I hadn't heard in forever. forever. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, they don't like the songs today. don't give you the same feeling as songs. Then right. I'm just like, what happened yeah. to music? 
I know, right? <laughs> yeah, like every so often something will come out and you're like, cool. But then, but though, like everything I listened to, that might have been wait, maybe one or two songs. I was like, eh, it's okay. But a high percentage of the songs I listened to, I was just like, wow. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's why I posted that um, Tina Turner song, We Don't yeah. Need Another Hero. I was like, damn, yeah. that fits right now. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. All too well. Yeah. All too well. All right, man. Cool. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. all I got. Cool. And then, uh, now everybody gearing up for, uh, if you got kids, gearing up for fall break. or Not fall break, Thanksgiving break. Yeah. It's still fall. Whatever. Um, let us know what you're watching. Post it in our group page. Give us suggestions. Including Bruce Lee, you're still allowed to give suggestions. Um, I am going to see if I can find that Santa Jaws movie. So I saw that. Um, I did watch Samurai Cop, which is a movie yeah. Bruce said it wasn't nothing to talk about, but um, just I, I watched the whole thing finally, and gosh, so cheesy, so bad, but but you know it's one of those bad is good kind yeah, of thing, yeah. like yeah. Troll Two and all that. Yeah. 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 I feel. Yeah. All right, man. Um, I guess I will talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Next All week right. it is. Yes, it is. Woo-hoo.